Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios of OutlawRadioLive.com. Nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area, following program is produced with an artistic vengeance by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. I am the legendary Burl Bear, the man over there, Howard Lapidus, manager, yep, to the star. If, you know, if I don't mention the word nestled, nestled it's, not a sh- it's not a show. It's not a so show. Um, I'm going to stop doing that, and then it won't be a show. <laughs> we won't have to okay. worry about anything. So, Mark so Pearl, Boyer's not here today. Mark C.G. Boyer is never here, um, and he's not here today. Thank so God. therefore, there are no snacks, which no snack is no much better for no me. No chicken for me. No, no chicken. Uh, no pastrami for later. No, no sun. chicken tonight. Wait, in my coffee. Yes. No chicken yes, tonight. My coffee. Burton <laughs> Cummings tonight. My tea from Winnipeg, Manitoba. And, and I say that for our listener in Winnipeg. Our listener. Well, no, we have one listener, and, and it's uh, Dandy Dan. Well, wonderful. Yeah. You know, back in 1992. A band of well-mannered, well-dressed, well-armed robbers appeared suddenly at the concierge desk at the Regency Hotel on Park Avenue. Early in the morning, they herded a dozen employees and guests into a uh, secret bunker. (laughs) And then then into a ballroom while they looted the hotel's safe deposit boxes. As the hostages worried and the hotel guests slept, the robbers, five to seven middle-aged white men in suits and ties and false mustaches and eyebrows and groucho glasses, worked with methodical precision for an hour and a half, the police said. By the way, that's how I dress for the show today. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like the goggles. They fled about 5.15 a.m. shortly before preparations were to begin for the power breakfast for which the hotel is famed. The robbers didn't hurt anybody, and before they left, they thanked everyone for being so kind and cooperative. We don't know where they came from, said Captain Michael Gardner of the 3rd Detective Division. They produced handguns. They announced a robbery and said, nobody will get hurt. We just want some money. The police said it couldn't immediately be determined on how much was stolen. And Deborah Kelman, spokeswoman for the Lowe's Corporation, which owns the Regency, would not discuss the incident. I found out, however, that Everything was insured by Lloyd's of London, and this was incredible, like museum pieces. This crime has remained unsolved until... Today. Today. We just solved it. On the phone, Polly Zaza, the man who opened up the safe deposit boxes. Polly, speak to me. What's going on, guys? (laughs) Hey, Polly, I mean, you do know what you're you're getting into. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm talking. Today, you got a real treat, all right? You got a real wise guy. From back in the day, all right. So when this happened, uh, I was only what 21 years old. 21 years old. That's right. And how did you get picked to do this gig? Because I was the best. That makes sense. What, what made you? What made you the best at 21? Because I was very fast. I was the fastest in the business. All right. And they don't call me Polly Punch for pinching people. That's number <laughs> one. Number two is. The reason why they call me Punch is because I told you guys before I could open a safe in 16 seconds, flat. All right? Yep. And being that I was this quick and fast, I was like an Olympic athlete. My father thought that I was going to be either a pro boxer, you know, a heavyweight boxer, uh, or I was going to uh, become uh, a great uh, safe cracker that I did become, you know, eventually. And, and I keep on telling Bo, no matter how far I was sent away from my medium, I couldn't, I couldn't escape this because I was really good at this. You know, I, I don't know how I can, I need to beat this into your audience's head, <laughs> but there was nobody better in the business, nobody. Meaning, first of all, uh, a lot of these guys that used to come with me, they had to get either junked up on drugs, all right? And I was totally against drugs. 100% against drugs. I was uh, like that Serbian military leader in Serbia named Arkan that was against drugs. And he had an elite team of soldiers that were not allowed to do drugs. And, uh, you know, this is some serious uh, training these guys would put through. Yeah, but wouldn't it be foolish? Wouldn't it be? Hang on. Wouldn't it be foolish? I mean, I, I'm with you. It would be foolish to be to to be doing drugs and have to do these these heists in, in, with precision. But a lot of guys have to do drugs to even get on stage. What are you talking about? They're nervous. 
you know, to do something like this. Listen, you know what? You know what? You know what gets me bothered? What? Okay. Um, I go through Facebook, right, and I go through uh, the Internet, and I see, oh, my God, they found uh, the guy, D.P. Cooper, <laughs> another one, you know, uh, and I, I start investigating. Well, what makes you think this guy's D.P. Cooper? And they're like, well, he was in the military. He was in Vietnam. I was like, okay, good. Um, was he a paratrooper? Yes, he was a paratrooper. Okay. Was he a thief? No. Okay. He didn't do it. The guy that did that was a thief. You need to be a thief, all right? And, and for you to be a thief, you don't do one job, one heist, all right? Uh, like how people think in Hollywood. Most of the guys in Hollywood, uh, the guys that are famous, they did one heist. One heist, all right? The Lufthansa heist, the Pierre Hotel heist. That was only one heist. But, did uh, they need? Did they need more than that? Of course, they needed more. You know. Well, look. Hold on a second. The guy that did the the Pierre heist, uh, I knew about him a long time ago because I read the first book when it first came out, and and I was locked up with these guys upstate with their cousins and stuff. They had a fine. Uh, I bet you anything on it that my father was approached. All right, because this is the Lucchese. And, and uh, I worked with all of them, the Lucchese, the Genovese, the Gambinos, everybody, you know, every single one of them, the Columbos. So I know my father was approached, and I know he de declined them. You know why? why? Because there was pistols involved and people, all right? And uh, this hotel, they didn't have a burglary button, a robbery button. This was easy. It was like taking candy from a baby, all right? And it was really ingenious, and it was the brainchild of one gangster that I actually like very much. I like his stories, and uh, and uh, the guy that I did the heist with, his name is Montenegro, Alex, and and he followed in this guy Bobby uh, Comfort's uh, you know shoes also because you know after Bobby Comfort got sick and died. This guy took over and started doing very similar things to what Bobby Comfort was doing in the 70s, like 1972, you know, 1976. So you said this guy's, he, he's got great yeah. stories. Give us an example of one of his stories. Well, the Pierre Hotel Heist, for example, that was uh, when I was born, 1972. That was one of the greatest heists because the people that were there, they were like practically royalty and you know, very extremely rich. You know, well, for the people for the people that don't know about the Pierre Hotel heist, Wine's place apartment or something, you know, uh, and he got all these diamonds or something on the Alex Monopoly, for example. You know, these these guys they got a lot of you know swag. So if they're in the hotel and they put this stuff in a safe deposit box, it's gonna get hit. Now here's here's what I find interesting. Hold on a second, there, Paul Zaza. This particular heist that you opened the safe deposit boxes, this unsolved crime that's been very famous since oh. 1992, bigger than the Pierre Hotel heist, probably in retail value, from what I understand, my research, over $100 million retail. Probably the biggest hotel heist in history. Got no publicity because the lady who was in charge of everything clamped everything down. She wouldn't talk to anybody. She wouldn't say who was in the hotel. She wouldn't say how much yeah. was taken. Oh, it was bad for business, kids. Yeah. This one, this one I give you for free because, you know, I have so many great heists and so many front pages. Uh, this one didn't really even make it on the list, and it was better than any other hotel heist previously. And you know what? There was a heist that happened in two years after that that I wasn't part of. I, I was going to be part of, but I, I didn't because I had to do another heist. And it was in 1994, which was the heist uh, for the gem, gem trading uh, uh, convention. And this was in the height. The Hyatt? Mm -hmm. Yes, I read about that one. A-A-T-T, yeah. And this was a couple of, well, uh, the one that I was part of, uh, which was very, I, I love that job because nobody got hurt, it went smooth, the, the stuff that I was taking out, the first five boxes was majority of the, of the merchandise because, it, you know, each piece was like a million dollars. I took a thousand pieces. You know? It was incredible. I, I'd read all the research on it I could possibly find, and, of course, I interviewed you. I got screwed on that heist. I didn't get paid as much as I was supposed to get paid. They, you know, they told me uh, my father made money on this heist, and so did Montenegro, but I didn't. Was you, you get $150,000? Yeah, I got, like, I don't know, 100000 200000 or something. Then I had to wait for it, and I was like, all right. I remember I got some earrings that I <laughs> gave to my mother for a gift, and, I mean, it was exceptional. 
Now let's let's go back and talk about how this was planned. There was someone on the inside. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all, all of these, the hype, they had somebody on the inside because they didn't even bang the safes open. The safe deposit box, they had the keys. So they opened it with the keys. It was a brain genius the second, the second time. That's two years after. The one okay, I, but let's go back to, to this heist. Let's go back to this one. The so lady stay, who was in stay, charge stay, of stay, housekeeping. Polly, stay on this heist, okay? 36, I had a, I had a punch 36 boxes physically. Now, 36 boxes, that's what they say in the newspaper. Now, from what I understand, the, your inside person was the woman who was head of housekeeping. Dessa. Well, well, I don't know if she was head of housekeeping for that specific hotel, but I know that she gave a lot of, uh, you know, people jobs, you know, other women that came, to, you know, in these high-end hotels. And there's only a specific, uh, uh, you know, group of hotels that people that have an abundance amount of money that they can stay, which is this one, uh, which is located, what, like 61st and Park, you know? Yeah, that's exclusive, you know? Uh, Ten blocks down, you have the Waldorf Astoria, you know? So, uh, yeah, there was a bunch of heists that weren't uh, recorded, or, you know, they didn't really talk about it let's, in the for some reason. Let's, can we stay on this heist? Because I think it's important. Ask me questions. Come on. Well, I, let's start at the beginning, okay? Because if I start you at the beginning, and, right. and what the name the of the hotel... The highs was a brainchild, as I told you, of Mr. Montenegro. Alex, you're going to hear a lot about him in my story. Um, we used my limousine, all right? So four of us got out of my limo, and uh, I think we had one or two guys outside already on the street. They had their car parked on the block or something. Um, and Alex was going in and out. But two guys came in first. They had keys, okay? Yeah. So uh, I went in through the front. The front was open. They opened the front for me when I came in. Uh, what, and, what, uh, what, time, what, already... what time of day is this? This is in the, in the, in the, at nighttime. 3.30 okay. in the morning, something like that. Yeah, in the middle of like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, I've been there since 1 o'clock because we're waiting for a perfect time to hit the place because people in and out, going in and out. And, you know, you can't just, you have to, you have to crack them at the right time. You have to go in at the right time. Uh, which was probably like around 3 and change, 3.15, yep. something like that. According to the yeah, FBI, it was 3.15. And, well, whatever they say. And, uh, I mean, listen, this is 1992. You know, I was 21 years old, a long time ago. Uh, and I remember that the people that were there, uh, the, what was it, concierge, what is a concierge going to do? He speaks French, Italian, Spanish. You know what I mean? He knows how to make a cappuccino. He knows how to book uh, event tickets. He was the easiest. He's the one that actually calmed everybody down. You know, we're, we're there for the money, you know, obviously. And uh, it just went very smoothly with the people because they were more intrigued in what we were doing. We had clown noses. I mean, we had, like, you know, the, <laughs> the, 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 you know, with the glasses and, and stuff, I mean, that you buy in the dollar store, you know. Uh, we looked ridiculous. And then one of the guys had a beard, so he ripped off the mustache and he used his own beard and mustache. You know, he didn't like the the stuff on his face, whatever. You know, uh, I mean, look, however it went down, uh, whoever the guys were, some guys are alive, some guys are dead. It doesn't matter. I'm talking about me because I was part of that job, uh, part of that heist. And, I, and, and my job was to open all the boxes, which I did. And I couldn't Okay, I mean, let's 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 follow you. Okay, let's follow you. All right, you go. I'm going right into the lobby. Three fifteen. Three fifteen. Stay with me. Three fifteen in the morning. You go into the lobby. What happens? What happens? Yeah, you say hello there. I'm here to rob you. I'm going right behind the, the concierge where the safe deposit boxes are, and I'm starting to work on the safe deposit boxes. Alex Montenegro gives me a list with numbers on it, and those are the first ones that I start cracking open, which is, I start banging them, one, uh, one after another, it's very fast, very rapid. So motion. talk about the preparation, how did he know, how did he know, how, whoa, whoa, backing up, backing up, how did he know which boxes had what? Genius, because he's a genius and he's the brainchild of this, he's the one that planned it. He knew, obviously, that there was going to be people there that had exclusive jewelry, that was supposed to be in shows or something, or somebody's supposed to buy or whatever it was, you know, and uh, 
Well, obviously, Dessa, who was working in the, uh, who set this thing up with Montenegro, knew who the guests were, knew what boxes had what, because you had a list. You knew what boxes to hit. I had a list, like, you know, the, the list of boxes that I was first opening, and then uh, the rest, we went by the book that that um, that he had, that they had, that the concierge had, or whoever had there, that they uh, put, the, you know, the guests. You know, the hotel wasn't a, a fully booked hotel. Now, according according to the uh, the article I read in the, in the uh, New York paper, it yeah, says don't, the don't don't uh, go by everything you read, though. You know what I mean? Because you know, a lot of, they didn't. If you didn't hear it by my mouth, then how do you know it's true? Okay, I'm gonna tell you what it says. The hotel's front desk is usually locked at that hour, 3:45 a.m. So it's not clear how the robbers got in. But once they did, Captain Gardner said they worked quickly and efficiently. After herding the employees and guests into the bathroom, they turned the safe deposit boxes behind the concierge desk, only breaking into the ones they knew. Time out, time out. When, when that happened, that was just the concierge and a couple of the workers. Then two guests came in, and that's when they changed it and they put them in the ballroom, okay? Okay, says so a man delivering cleaning supplies to the hotel arrived during the holdup and declined to give his name, and the robber said we're extremely professional and courteous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, listen, this was, it was, it was a very smooth job. Um, I was basically working on the boxes, and I was in and out, you know? Um, this, this heist was specifically, as I said, of a, of a person that uh, I worked with many times before and I trusted with my life. He was like, uh, I would say probably the second or third person from my father, that, uh, my, from my father's crew that I worked with. The police said they didn't know details of how the bandits fled. He calls me usually, you know, I score at least, you know, a half a mil and better with this guy all the time, so... You know, um, now, here, get this, get this. Howard, listen to this. Listen. What they leave behind. You ready for this? They did recover a large center punch in the lobby. <laughs> well, there, there you go. Were you leaving this as a calling card? Well, there you go. I, I, I leave my calling card everywhere. So oh, another, another thing for the viewers and listeners, and I would love if, uh, if, uh, if, uh, if our uh, producer... Uh, C.G. Boyer. I mean, not, not more. That's uh, the... Goodbye. You mean Matt Allen? Uh, yeah. Uh, Magic Matt Allen. If he could open up the line so he could have some of these guys... There is no line to open up. You know? There's no line to open up? No, you're on it. You're on the only line. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, you know why? Because, you know, we've been so silent about this for so long. For so long. Waiting for statute limitations to expire on, on every heist on every job, you know, and and these were so corny, they were basically corny, I mean, it wasn't nothing, uh, you know, to write home about, because they were very simple, uh, there was no guards, there was no security, there was no alarms, there was no cameras, you know, specifically, a lot of the, uh, you know, the people that go to these type of hotels, they don't want to be photographed, okay, uh, they go there with you know, with having an affair with maybe somebody else, you know, and it's very private. And you're like, you know, these uh, foreign hotels, they keep them extremely private. And uh, when somebody has something of value, they would usually put it in the uh, safe deposit box. And I think this was, you know what, uh, this was like Valentine's Day before, a week or, or something before Valentine's Day. I remember because I was dating, I started dating a, a, a girl that I met on New Year's in 1992 at the whiskey bar. And I remember this whole entire uh, situation with uh, this February heist. We did Hermes on 57th Street, that was the last, and then Napoleon Dealey before that. So I did like uh, maybe, uh, you know, like around, I don't know, 20 heists with Alex Wojcikovic. Uh, that's his name. And they call him Montenegro, Montenegro. Is that where he's from? Yeah, he is from Montenegro, that's right. And uh, originally Titograd, well, today it's uh, Podgorica. But um, he is one of the guys that, well, I mean, he got caught. Uh, remember the article, Burl, that I sent you, that he got nabbed? And he's like the first Pink Panther that got arrested, ever? Hmm. Yeah, because yeah, he's wearing a nice watch. 
He was wearing like a two hundred thousand dollar watch. He was coming from Hawaii, and before that, he was in Japan because they just hit they did a heist in Japan that was very big, and he got you know nabbed for this by uh, Ron Noble or something, one of the main guys from the you know Interpol, and they had to let him go, I guess, after a couple of years because all the heists started back up again. Uh, Interesting. Well, who was at this uh, yeah, at this hotel when the when the heist came down? With me, the Versace, the Hermes, Escada, uh, Napoleon Zilli, you know. And then, you know, of course, you get a lot of jobs with my father, which were, you know, diamond heist. Well, let's get back to this hotel heist here. Andrew J. Stein, the city council president, arrived a little too late for the power breakfast. He said he had personal business, but confirmed by a gaggle of reporters and cameras locked out of the hotel and desperate for someone to talk to, Mr. Stein found it a fine opportunity to reflect on the state of the city. Quote, this sends a message when our top hotels are robbed, he said, during a diatribe against crime, sounding every bit like a candidate on the stump. We have to be much tougher on criminals. The FBI yeah. said this case remains unsolved. Yeah, and that and that's another thing. Why uh, you know these are type of uh, these front page uh, things that I had in my life. I got maybe fifteen of them, you know. And 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 this, I mean, I think it's super sensational, all right? Because. Uh, First, there wasn't a lot of uh, media, uh, you know, around this. They shut them up really quick. Talk That's because there was nothing to talk about. Lowe's Corporation, which owned the hotel, refused to talk about it. And if people aren't talking, there's nothing to report. That's like, you know, Takashi 69 getting robbed, and he's not saying that he got robbed. You know, like, how are you going to make a case on it? All right, it's, uh, you know who Takashi 69 is? No. No, you'll tell us. All right. He's a famous rapper from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Okay. He's a kid like my son. He's 22 years old. And, uh, you know, he's like with 50 Cent and all these guys, and he got robbed. He got robbed. Uh, inside information, obviously. And he, his jewelry was like a half a million dollars worth. But he got it back. So uh, he get it back. Yeah, there we go. Well, he got it back, you know. So that's even more inside information. That's, that's How did he get it back? Work. Yeah. How? Answer, please answer the question. Come on, talk. Come how, on. How did he get it back? Well, obviously, probably through his manager, Shadi Treyway, or somebody, you know, that uh, that knew somebody, that knew somebody, I guess. You know, but the kid got robbed. Normally, uh, no robber would ever, ever return anything, ever, to anybody. Okay? Ever. Unless? Never. Unless, unless there's no unless. It just doesn't happen. Well, how did it happen here? How did it happen with this guy? It happened, yes, it happened. That's, what uh, I, that's my point. My point is don't tell me that it never happens, and then in this case we know it happened. Okay, but it happened, but it, do you understand uh, how it, it was inside? It was all inside. Like he got robbed by inside people, by somebody that knew him, that knew that he had the jewelry, you know, uh, the way it was done, and then he got it back. You know, like that's crazy. Like but how? How could he possibly get it back? Well, I mean, maybe I'm doing... That robbed, maybe maybe the person that robbed him is giving it back to him? Hello? Yeah. Is that you know, possible? Because it was maybe his best friend or something, and he, and he jerked him out of a so, deal or something. So, so, goes, oh, yeah, all right. So it's, know, a, I mean, so, it's, come on. so it's amateur hour here. Yeah, I mean, listen, everybody's doing amateur hour. It, that's, it's a bunch of bozos all around everywhere, all over the place. Even Hollywood, come on. You know that. You know, so yes, I, yes, yes, I do. I could talk like that because everybody's on vacation anyway. That's going to come back after Labor Day. Please, <laughs> don't even, don't even well, start look, me on well, that. You have a fantastic story, Doug. And of course, it could be. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to make movies. If you, th if you think, if you think that I can't learn how to make movies, and I was doing heists, you guys, you guys. <laughs> I, I'm not. Coming. It's, it's simple. Okay. It, this is. There's no secret to how this works. Uh, and yeah, if you want to go through the, the the aggravation of that, go ahead. You know, I'd rather see you no, go back. I'd rather see you. I'd That's rather. Why, listen, time out, time out. Let me go back to the heist now. That's why they called me because I was I was the best. I don't talk. I, I get the I get the job done, and I was very good at what I do. So now, 
when I was opening these, you know, the one box, two box, three box, I'm looking at this stuff, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, this stuff looks fake almost, you know, because it's so big, so enormous, so gaudy. Yeah. You know, the diamonds are, are stupid. It's like, you know, 10 carats, 15 carats, you know, big brushes and big, uh, you know, Tiffany settings and all kind of crazy stuff. Do you stop and, and uh, it? Do you, do you, when you're d doing this, do you stop and admire, or do you just grab and... Okay. Of course, of course, you know, I mean, you know, it's it's fast, you know, it's like flashcards, you know, but you still see everything, you know, because I'm opening things, I'm like, wow, you know, I want to know where the expensive stuff goes, I, I want to know where I'm putting it, you know, because you have to really watch guys that are doing heist with you. I got robbed so many times uh, on my first heist, I got robbed, and on this one I got robbed also. See, I never got paid uh, as much as, you know, how much these, uh, how, how did, Alex and my father did. How did you get robbed in this one? Because I was supposed to get a lot more money in return. So you got shorted. More money. Uh, I got shorted, yeah. So you got 150000 of what was probably a retail value, about $100 million. And Was it Montenegro? Is that who, uh, is that who did you in? It was my father and Montenegro. They, th those two guys. So your father shorted you? Yeah, my father shorted me all the time. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> That's because you were 21 years old and irresponsible. I said... I, you know, like, come on, look, I feel bad for my dad because he got robbed more than anybody in the world. He got robbed at least 10 times, and by me, he got robbed so many times, it's not even funny. So, I should have took it all. <laughs> in, the end, in the end, they took it all. Listen, my father, he went through a life that they took everything. People could think all they want. They could think, oh, yeah, Mr. Stan, he still got millions somewhere. But yeah, he did have. He did have. And they took that, too. All right? So, uh, and then, yeah, he did have Swiss uh, bank accounts and, uh, you know, safe deposit boxes in Switzerland, and they took that also. So, you know. So, so, how, so, so, so we know he's retired and he's on a beach somewhere over there. How, how is he living? Oh, no, he's, he's doing okay. Listen, he's fine, you know, he's doing what he wants to do. And uh, he has, uh, obviously, um, um, he has friends, you know, and uh, he's living the way he wants to live. So, God bless him. All right? But he never got caught, and he is going to be going down as the most remarkable thief, uh, gentleman thief in the world. Not me, not any of these guys, you know, because we all got caught, you know. Um, and uh, I didn't follow my father's path the way he wanted me to as much, you know, because I wanted to experience... You know, this, I wanted to make a name for myself. I didn't right, want to... Define, define the difference in what you did as opposed to what your father wanted you to do. Well, like this heist that we're talking about. My father never would have approved of me doing this heist because it involves guns. Even though I didn't have, an, even though I didn't have a gun on me, you know, I wasn't the guy that was, uh, you know, taking the, the guys, uh, you know, whatever, you know, to, uh, to secure them and stuff like that. You know, um, so you did heist. You My did heist. Never, you, you never ever wanted me to uh, get involved with uh, armed robberies or robberies or anything like that. So you did heist with this the. Was, you, you did heist. Night, nighttime stuff. You know the nighttime burglaries, where we open a safe at night. And when the owner comes in the morning, he's shocked. He's like, "Oh my God, where's all my stuff?" You know, that type of you know. And uh, he was the best at that. Nobody was better than him at that. He started this, and he also, uh, I mean, he was, you know, I followed in his footsteps. But you and went off the rails. Oh, he had friends in the mob, so did I. You know, and I, I branched out. I branched out because, you know, I was making money. I was making so much money, I didn't know what to do with it anymore. I promise you. I had too much of it, you know? So I was bored. I wasn't doing it for the money anymore, obviously. But I didn't want to give people my money either. Do you understand? So when guys came to beg to me, oh, please, I need money, I need to work, I was like, all right, come on, let's do a heist, you know? Because that excited me. And it excited for me to see how they react, you know, doing a heist, a first-time heist, because, you know, they're nervous, and I'm like, relax, nobody's here, you know? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I, I uh, walk them through it. Really nice, and a lot of guys like to work with me. Because I was very smooth and I wasn't nervous. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up doing this. But you would, but but you would, you would, uh, against your father's wishes, you would do heists with potential violent jeopardy. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And this hotel heist would uh, is absolutely a violent heist because somebody could have got killed, somebody could have got hurt. Except there were no gun, no bullets in the guns. What happened? There were no bullets in the guns. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's bullets or not. I mean, somebody could have died of a heart attack, bro. Yeah, you know? you're right. Out of fear. You're not supposed to encounter people in general. That was my father's rules because he had it systematically set up that you don't have to. But now remember, this is after I left MoMA and I just got back in with my dad because I just got hooked up with the home security outfit. And these guys, they had their own operation. They were working with the mob or mob wannabes, you know, and they had guys that were Well, talk, talk, whoa, 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 slow down. Talk about that operation. What do you want to talk about? I want you to tell us about that operation. Don't ask me what. I can't answer the question. I'm going to tell you a lot, and I'm not getting paid over here. Oh. Okay. <laughs> then you know what? Hang up the phone and go about your business. This guy's like a dentist. We're going to call you Howard the Dentist. We're like pulling teeth over here. Huh? Relax. Listen to you. I only want our. I only want the best for our audience. If you want to be on the show. If you want to be. That I was the first one. To hook up with home security? Yes, I was. I was the first Pink Panther, the first Serbian guy, yeah. I wasn't the first person because they had Italian guys that had uh, hookups, but they were so scared of working with Italians because they seen Goodfellas in the 1990s. <laughs> well, yes. Remember? And then, you know, they've seen all these movies with Joe Pesci getting beat up with a bat. Yeah, but let's, let's, talk you know? about, let's not talk about the movies. Let's talk about what really happened. Let's tell what, our audience. Hang on. Slow down. Tell our audience about the home security scam. Oh, uh, the best. Well, let's, let's talk about it. When, like, Jesus Christ came off the cross <laughs> and smacked us all like the Three Stooges, all right? <laughs> Listen to me. We all got blessed by God, and... This guy was looking for somebody like me his whole entire time he was working there because, you know, he's a hardworking guy. He's a Puerto Rican, right, from New York, from Brooklyn. He got a beautiful wife, but he's not really making ends meet, you know, unless he finds the stuff that I'm, you know, throwing on the floor when I'm doing heists, I mean, you know, burglaries and stuff. So I found this guy and I befriended him and it was because he was the slowest guy to the, to the job, you know, slowest guy to the heist. And he gave me, it's like he gave me time, you know, but he didn't talk to me. But it's like he did um, unintentionally, you know what I mean? Uh, somehow, some way, the stars were aligned, and I bump into this guy, I follow him into a, a Barney Stone bar that no longer exists, you know, that was around 47th Street. Uh, and uh, I start talking to him, and I'm like, hey, Mo, it's me. I'm the guy that did that heist last night, or that, this evening, you know, whatever it was. And he was like, he, he first thought I was a cop, you know, he didn't know what to think, and I'm like, relax, you know the stuff that you found on the floor, I left it up for you intentionally. I did that on purpose. And the, and the, and the things that I left them were like, you know, three, four carat diamond rings, engagement rings. You mm -hmm. know, he's going to make good money off of each item that I left him, and I left him the whole tray, and it was, as soon as he walks in, he would see it. And he didn't call the police station or, you know, the backup, whatever, because... He wanted to make sure he gets everything off the floor, you know, uh, stick it down, you know, take his socks, put it in the socks, and then stick it by his balls, you know? You can say balls, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. All right. So he takes the sock, right, and he sticks it by his balls. All right. And then he calls the cop, and he's like, all right, these guys, you know, come over here and whatever. And, you know, and he does... Hey, Punch. Hey, Punch. Wait, punch, hold on. Punch, hold on, punch. hold on. we got to take a 60-second break. On balls. the diamonds. On balls, we are taking a break, okay? We'll be back after this. So, so it is Punch. Yeah. It is Punch. <laughs> yeah, it is. You didn't know in the first second? See, before True Crime started today, I mentioned uh, as uh, sort of producer of this stupid thing that we do. And I, and believe me, anything I do in broadcasting <laughs> is stupid. Uh, I mentioned, knowing Burl, his guest is going to be Punch, having no idea who your guest would be. He told me it was Polly Zaza. <laughs> after two words, I go, oh, here we go with Punch. And I love Punch. I love Punch. Yeah. No, no, I mean, what's not to love about this? No, come on. He's gregarious and he's uh, gregarious. He's the best. Very gregarious. Let's talk after this. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Yeah.
you can take your smoking, drinking, interrupting obsession with you 24 hours a day on any phone or device. And it's all free. Just go to your friendly app store and search for Outlaw Radio. Then look for the red letters on the sign with the bullet holes in it and download it. It's free. Listen free on the road, in your car, at the beach, or in your backyard. It's all free from Outlaw Radio. This is Buddy Twist. Saying goodnight from Hollywood. Back to True Crime Uncensored with Burl Bear and Howard Lapidus. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. Hello. Hello, Dad. Okay, go ahead and switch gears. Featuring here. Mark C.G. Boyer. Well, he's not here. I get a kick out of, uh, Burl, I get a kick out of this every time. I relive to tell this story. I get a kick out of it. <laughs> i got a story for you to tell that you haven't told yet. Yes, please. We're going to jump ahead in time. Come on. We're going to jump ahead to an $8.5 million cash robbery of an armored car warehouse. It's it stunned and stymied okay, okay, the okay. FBI. Okay. They don't know how it was done. Okay. Okay. Just, just, let me, just, let me, just let me finish this because this is very important for the audience. I know we have millions of listeners, mm -hmm. right? Millions. Locked up, incarcerated listeners from all over the world. This is yeah. Back. This is back. Uh, check this out. That heist that I did, right? The hotel heist? That was all during this time because Carlos, uh, the guard that I had from home security, I met him, it was around like before Christmas of 91. And that's when I was still with uh, Momo, with Momo's gang, remember? And I had a restaurant called Trapperia del Teatro downtown. So I was transitioning, and I was trying to figure out a way how to get back into my father's crew because I seen that the world is very cruel, and I wasn't getting paid uh, like I thought I was going to get paid, and guys were even worse than my father, all right? So I got into the good graces of my father with bringing this home security guard in his outfit to my father's apartment <laughs> to my father's luxury apartment on, on Fifth Avenue and, and I walk in with the with the doorman down there and the concierge and I just walk right to his apartment bar, and, and and my father looks at him and he, and he opens the door and he, and he couldn't believe it he couldn't mm -hmm. believe that I had this guy that we know we call him Fatso or something we had a nickname for him in, in Serbia you know, Debelli. So it means Fatso in English. And uh, because, you know, he was the fattest, he was the slowest, you know, so we loved when he was because he gave us the most time. But he used to do it on, uh, on purpose. He told me all the time. Now, he introduces me to Munchie, a guy that got fired. He used to be the manager to Home Security. Wells Fargo, D&W. It was a bunch of these companies that secured uh, for the finish of the diamond industry. And... Once Carlos and I get together, he introduces me to Munchie, and Munchie, his step, his uh, father-in-law worked with Lucchese's and Columbo's and mobsters, you know, here and there, but they were very scared and leery to work with them because, you know, they get whacked. You know, a lot of guys get whacked out the heist. They don't want to pay people their money, and, uh, you know, they bet bullets are cheaper, you know? So, uh, when my father started working with my connection. This opened up a new world for us. And all we did was steal and steal and steal until we couldn't steal anymore. Like we stole it all. Every company got hit. What is so we couldn't oh we couldn't have stole any more. What do you mean? How do you run out of stuff? Nothing else to steal. Nothing we stole it all. Like there was we we, we every every company we hit so now I'm hitting multiple. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting them twice and three times, you know? Seriously. But everybody's profiting because they're insured. So it's, so it's really, it's, it's, everybody's happy. You have 47th Street that's happy. You have the security guards that are working with me happy. You have the cops that are coming there happy, the fire department. Well, everybody's profiting. Everybody's making money somehow. You know, everybody's eating. <clears throat> now... Nobody knows who's doing this. And 
you know, uh, it's getting critical because how long can we actually do something like this, right, and get away with it? Well, Alex also gets caught. I get caught before him, but I give false names, you know, fake names. I always put finger, you know, like crazy glue on my fingerprints, and it comes out like a new arrest. So I get arrested multiple times as many people, you know, different characters, whatever. And uh, to me, it's all like fun, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it because I'm making a lot of money, you know, I'm living like a rock star, uh, and, uh, and and I love it. But I'm also involved with these with this new crew that was involved with the mob, and they're trying to get away from them. And the way we can get away from them is by doing heists with them. So now, bro, you can say what you want to say about that, uh, those places, because. You remember I told you my father's totally against the armed robbery stuff? Right. Well, I, I was still in it, you know, because I'm with these guys, and, uh, you know, we all have to uh, do our part. So either I was a lookout or I was part of the job, meaning I was going inside, all right? And that's what got me in trouble with the feds. That's what got me in trouble with other people and, uh, you know. Okay, I want to jump ahead right. to the armored car robbery where you didn't rob the armored car. Why do an armored car when you can do the warehouse? They keep the money in. Yeah, that was all inside job. We had guys. We had guys inside. That was also the brainchild of Munchie and you know these wise guys that he had with them. And uh, I was part of it. I was I was part of the lookout. I didn't go in on that one, but I was there. And uh, and we, I took the old money. There was like a couple hundred thousand dollars that was old money that I that was I was smart enough to take. I don't know if they could have whatever they did, but I got paid and I was happy. Also, uh, I did uh, three bank jobs that were very similar to that because we had inside connections. Remember, every time we did something. We had an inside person telling us that the money was going to be there, uh, or they give us information. You know, or we had a, a, a company that protects them, that they knew the ins and outs, always. We never went in on the blind, never, all right? And that's important to know because uh, people get hurt. When you go in on the blind, people get hurt. Well, we're very happy that you had that kind of rule. Yeah, no one gets hurt. Right. That no was the big hurt. rule. No one and gets I hurt. Burl, another thing that I told Bo is this, you know, to make it easy, is that I started like 1989, right? So I was very young when I started. I made my first millions when I was 16. True story. And now they have this movie called White Boy, a kid out of Detroit that was 15 years old. And I could, I could relate to it. I could believe it. You know, people might, people might, people might be like, I don't believe this story. This is full of crap. And I believe it because I was very young when I uh, when I grew up into this lifestyle, right? And uh, I was 16 when I made my first millions. You know, it was one of the biggest gem heists, and it was 1990. Was your uh, was your father ever really proud of you? My father was very proud of me. <laughs> well, absolutely. When uh, when I pulled off a good heist, yeah. But when you were doing stuff with uh, with guns, uh, that was a no-no with him. Well, no, he of course not. He wouldn't not allow it. But after the fact, remember, I came after this hotel uh, regency thing. We went right to his apartment with all the stuff. It was me and Alex. We went there and we left all the stuff to, with my father. So my father's the one that profited heavy because he's the one that's going to sell everything, you know. So, so how, how much, how much re retail? How much was there? How much came out of that hotel? Oh, who knows? Hundred million, maybe. Okay, it's a nice figure. Nice figure. And what year was that? What year was that? Ninety-two. 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 Yeah. Ninety-two. So today, in today's money, it's probably about almost uh, three quarters of a billion dollars. Oh, who knows? I do. Who knows? There was baboons. There was diamonds that was as big as my, like, okay sign. Like, you know, like, when you make an okay sign, like that. You know, and they were huge. You know, so, and, um, you know, they either have to be cut, you know, or they have to be, or, or sold. We had guys, we had, we had uh, fences that would buy everything stolen if we wanted. You know, just, you're not going to get top dollar. Off of something that's, you know, that well, plus, you can't, if you have things that are easily identifiable, that are going to be in a museum, that are going to be in a display, that are incredibly gaudy, the kind you'd only wear to like the Emmys or something, you know, that's something you'd wear to a, you know, a party because it's too ostentatious. 
These things are uh, insured by Lloyds of London for uh, God knows how many millions of dollars, but you can't sell them looking like what they are because people would recognize them. They yeah, get, and that's why they would get cut and chopped up and stuff like that. That's that's not that, that usually. You know what that bothers me because I consider jewelry to be artwork. You know, if it's something special like Van Cleef Cartier, you know, or you got something even more uh, special that's done by, uh, uh, let's say, uh, what's that Russian that makes the eggs? Barbara for example. Yes, forget about it. If you have something like that. You know, I mean, that you will be able to sell on the black market because you're going to find criminals that collect artwork. And and uh, my house is filled with that crap. I'm not joking. My house is like a museum. Um, I don't know if you ever got a chance to speak to Carl Friedrich. Yes, I did. Ask him what kind of stuff do we have in the house. Like, you know, that, that's a good question to ask him. Seriously, it was like living in a museum, you know. Uh, everything that you look at on the wall was uh, priceless, you know. Paintings, and, and uh, my father basically sold it, you know. Sold it uh, because, bro, you, you remember where he found most of this stuff. The storage units, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah, his dad had a great deal. They told his father that there were all these storage units that hadn't been opened since before the war. They don't know what happened to the people who owned the storage units. But if he would clean them out, he could keep whatever he found. And he found wealth like you wouldn't believe. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. And that's why I'm uh, pretty, like, ticked off that when the cops came in 1971, they took two vans filled with these type of artifacts and, you know, books and, and paintings and all kind of, you know, things that are worth. They, they, they cost something today. And, uh, they stole it. You know, we didn't get it back. Will, 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 will your father ever come back to the United States? I don't think so. I don't know okay. why. I mean, I don't, see why, I don't see a reason why he would come here. Well, money. You know? Family. Well, I'm sure your father could make money. I mean, he's 80 years old. He's retired. But he's a brilliant man. And I'm sure that if he wanted to give his advice on how to do a heist, <laughs> no, he's the guy. The guy, the guy. Listen, the guy was a, a journalist. He was, uh, I mean, he was an educated man. You know, he comes from an educated background. His father's, you know, military uh, was a colonel. I mean, a general actually. You know, and and uh, that was respected in that in that communist country. But the country changed. You know, people changed the views. Uh, you know, uh, it was very difficult for him. You know, regardless, he found his way as a, a immigrant in the United States, and he made it like nobody ever made it before. I mean, the guy, he he actually, I'm impressed by him as a person. You know, uh, I wish he was a better father. You know, but he was he was my best friend. He was he was uh, my partner. He was the guy that you want to be friends with. You know, as we're getting near wrapping up this hour, I'd like to just take a little journey here. And I'd like to have you put together for us a crew that would be going in to do, let's say, a smash and grab on 47th Street. How would you put that crew together? Well, I would get, you know, okay. Um, For example, in uh, 1992, when I was doing these types of things, um, you have to be in incredible physical shape. That means if you could, if you could go through the ninja course, the ninja American ninja course, you know, the yeah, gladiator yeah. course, whatever they have, yep. they need to be part of the crew. Okay. You have, you have to, you have to climb balconies, you have to climb rope, you have to be physically very strong. All so right. That's number one. That's number you know, one. Uh, n- number two, uh, you have to have, you have to let it hang a little bit, Howard. I mean, you know, uh, you know, you gotta. You gotta have some balls, you know, because you're doing something illegal, uh, and you don't want to get caught, right? So, uh, I don't know how that, you know, in somebody's psyche, I don't know how it is. Well, I do know how it is because I, I'm a, I, I used to be a criminal, and today I'm not. But I see a lot of first-time criminals. They have to bust, you know, like break their cherry, you know, start small and work their way up to something big. 
You know, they're not going to just jump on something that's multi-million yeah, dollars. Yeah, no, got it, got it. But let's get back to putting the crew together. So we've got guys okay. that are in phys physically great shape. Keep going. Guys that are that have, you know, that, that have courage, that want to make a lot of money in a little bit of time. Okay. And now specialists. Do you have specialists? Yeah, we have, uh, well, uh, well, do I have my alarm guys or no? I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I have my alarm guys, I don't need... I don't need specialists with me because everything's done from outside. If I shut off the alarm, put it on runaway, I would do it with the computer, meaning we break into a company that's in Queens or the Bronx or somewhere else that's not in Manhattan, and we'd shut off uh, a couple of jewelry stores uh, like they didn't pay their bill, and we'd have the codes for the vice president or president of the company, and we'd enter that, and on a specific date, their alarm goes off. And nobody knows that. Just we do because we're the ones that entered it. So um, that's so that means I have to break into a home security, meaning I need to know the codes and everything to get in, which I was doing, and I would shut it off. So I would have a list of like you know 15 companies maybe, and they would shut off on uh, you know separate occasions like you know different times of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything is done. Uh, how, how, how do you call it? Um, Everything's networked, you know, with the systems and network. Well, also, you'd have a specialist like uh, the fellow who is the hydraulics expert if you were breaking into a vault from underneath. Yeah, well, okay, then I'll use him, for example, because that's what he specializes in. But I've done it many times. I know how to do it. So, like, if I had my own crew, I would do it myself. Oh, we're doing a, uh, in this example, we're doing a smash and grab on 47th Street. But we wouldn't be using that. Uh, what we need is... We need uh, somebody that's, we need two guys that, that are going to hold down the people that are inside, meaning yeah. the workers, okay? And you need guys to come in like they're Rambo. So they need have to, they have to have firearms, like a 357 Magnum, you know, something scary looking. And when they come in, they burst in. And they, they come in like, uh, as I said, like they're Rambo. They jump over counters and they're like, freeze, you know, everybody down the floor, whatever. You know, they secure everybody. And then you have two more guys that come in, right, while these two people are securing it, and they're banging, you know, the, the glass, opening the glass, whatever, and taking everything. And within, within 45 seconds, we're gone. How can you stop that? 45 seconds. Yeah, 49 seconds. 49, okay. I like to work under 50. And, and, you when, you, and when you all leave, what happens to each guy? Nothing. We all like either either we all go together or we all separate. Well, what, what's the best way? Well, I like to separate. So they they and, vanish. And we take the stuff, you know, because let's say I have a limousine outside, whatever. Uh, two guys would jump in with me, you know, and the two other guys or whatever they would go on another another way, and I would meet them later or something. You know, a day or two, whatever. You know. I like the guy with the uh, a fireman's axe under his coat. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, I mean, as I said, uh, like when I worked with the Axeman, the, the other Montenegrin guy, his name is Boya uh, Kadovic. Uh, his brother, Bato Kadovic, was my, my first courtesan in Miracle Watch Company, where we took 5,000 watches. I mean, if that's not going to be in the books, I don't know what is. Because, you know, we don't even hear of a high school that's 5,000 watches. Speaking of watches, as always, it is fascinating to talk to you. It's oh. fascinating to do a show with you. We appreciate it. We appreciate your time and your expertise, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll, we'll see you next week. <laughs> it's all good. True Crime Uncensored. True Crime Uncensored. The amazing. number one true crime show in American radio. Yeah, whether you like it or not. You like it or not. Some people can't stand it. But if you don't like it, don't listen. How can you not like it? Hey, Pearl? Yeah. What's, what's next? Oh, Magic Bad Adam and the Deepest of Decadence. Live from the Lightning Up Lounge. And now we're already alive.